Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season, we're chatting with people from different walks of life to hear their stories and how God has been faithful throughout. This conversation is super fun and rich, so order some coffee from Wild Ginger, make some protein bars, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy today's episode. Today in the podcast, we're chatting with Twyla Erb. Twyla currently lives in Elmira, but has left pieces of her heart in countries all around the world. She's a painter by trade and an entrepreneur by heart. She runs a coffee company, Wild Ginger, that is ethically sourced, locally roasted, and supports women in and exiting the sex trade. Her heart is amazing, and this conversation is so much fun, so enjoy. Well, welcome Twyla to the podcast. We are so excited to be here as we were thinking about this season and who to have. I don't know why, but I'm like, oh my gosh, what about Twyla Herb? And personally, we were talking about this before, we met officially at a first aid class or first aid training class a year ago. Um, And we have a lot of fun connections like you knowing EJ and Kukus, who we stayed with in South Africa. You were there with them in Botswana. Um, my dad and I love your coffee, Wild Ginger, yes. which is amazing, and your pop-up shops. Um, so thank you so much for being here. I am so, so excited for this conversation. Thanks for having me. I'm really pumped. So yeah, shout out to Wild Ginger Coffee located <laughs> in the Elmira area. You should pick yourself up some. Uh, I haven't gotten to try any yet because I have been locked down in Listowel mostly, but Jennifer speaks very highly of it. So we'll just uh, give a subtle plug to that. <laughs> the next time in Listowel, tell me where your porch is. I'll just drop some on your porch so you can at oh least know goodness. what we're talking about. Yes. I was like, it's the official unofficial copy of Work Friends. So <laughs> yes. <you go. laughs> yes, like shameless plug. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love that. Okay, well, to start things off, tell us about yourself. What gives you life? Okay, so I mean, I like to think that I'm not complicated. And that if you just like bring me coffee, like give me a bear hug and take me to the beach. I'm like, that's all you need to know about me. But that's actually like, I wish that that was it. That (laughs) that will get you a really long way. But like, (laughs) I'm actually, yeah, more complicated than that. I'm a painter by trade. So I work for it was my dad's construction company as a painter. Um, I live in Elmira. I am a four on the Enneagram with a wing three. I don't know if you guys are Enneagram fans, but kind of a big deal. Anyway, so I'm like like a really strong wing three. So like I'm a creative, but also type A. So I'm like super fun to be around. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a real treat. And yeah, so what gives me life? Um, obviously, a really good cup of coffee in the morning, like early morning, quiet, nobody talked to me. I just want to sit on my couch like that just fills me right up. Um, writing, I love to write. That's kind of how I process. And I think the thing about writing is when if I write something and it like connects with people and somebody responds and says like, hey, like I connected with that, that just like fills me right up and then really I mean anything being outside running the beach built a beach in my backyard last year because I was like what if they close the beaches and I can't go so I, <laughs> so I found a glorified sandbox with a little tiki bar on it and we named it Corin Tiki Beach and I spent a lot of time out there 
amazing yeah so all those things kind of bring me life yeah so I'm I'm like oddly I like I love being spontaneous but I also love like I'm a list person and I have like lists for everything so this is like this weird that's the weird like creative but also type a so it's just very strange space to live in but it's that's me what was growing up like for you yeah this was like a hard one to answer there's like so much but um I was I grew up born and raised in Millbank in a house that my dad built himself um I have two brothers and a sister and we lived on like our our street was like the only street that was not paved in all of Millbank so I could run on in barefoot because I love being barefoot I could like run barefoot on the gravel road like without even blinking and now I'm pretty (laughs) sure I would never survive um (laughs) but yeah we would like yeah play on that gravel road for hours with like our neighbor kids and stuff um it was a lot of fun I was like the creative pain in the butt child who would like secretly cut her hair behind the furnace (laughs) when nobody was looking and like scribble I would take like every book in the house and on every single page in like the top right corner I would put like these little squiggles like I was writing so (laughs) I think I was just I was obviously just practicing to be a writer but I don't think that like my mom saw it in that way all the books and like the walls had like writing on them um our house was like kind of like a revolving door there's this always people there there's like to this day I mean minus to this day minus COVID there's like always like at a family dinner or like a Christmas or Easter like whatever it is there's like always somebody who's not actually blood family that's there like there's Mm. just always people coming in at my mom's like one of the most hospitable people I know and like one Easter I brought a um one of my friends who's like homeless and super addicted to drugs at the time like home for an Easter dinner and like nobody batted an eye so it's like it's fine so it's super like just yeah very very open door um people coming and going all the time um grew up in the church and was raised in a foundation of faith my parents were super involved in the church um I always say like like involved in like everything there was like not just one thing like involved in everything there was to be involved in and my joke is that like that's why I eat fast and do like everything fast is because we were always like eating fast because we were like had to quickly run off to like (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I've I've just I've never known my family to like say no to taking someone in or or taking on another task for better or for worse it's not Mm. always I've had to learn that that's always the the best thing but it's a good thing and I'm yeah I'm thankful for that it's fun I'm picturing because your your coffee company's the wild ginger so I'm like picturing a tiny wild ginger running barefoot down the gravel road with <laughs> little big uh, sticky chunks of hair where yeah. she snipped it off <laughs> it's a very good picture legit, legit though it's probably more true than you realize that fine <laughs> <laughs> And if I could still handle bare feet on gravel, you'd probably also still see me. Hopefully not with the random tufts of hair, but like, I mean, the hair does what it's going to do. It doesn't. So a very similar adult picture could probably be seen. Should I still live on gravel road? (laughs) Uh, When you were younger as the the tiny wild ginger, uh, what was the picture that you had for what your life would look like now? Okay, so for real, I didn't 
have a picture like this was so hard for me to answer because I was I've never been the person or the kid who's like this is what I want to be when I grow up and this is what I'm going to do like here's my five-year plan like I that has never been me I never had any idea what I wanted to do with my life kind of still don't if we're being honest like <laughs> I'm just kind of like I've just given up I yeah I've resigned to the fact that like it's fine to also not know um but I think the funny thing is like, yeah, I never, I never had a picture. Um, but like, when I look back, I know that I never would have dreamed that my life would look like it's looked. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, I didn't know what it was going to look like, but looking back, I'm like, wow, I wouldn't have dreamed this. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't have even been able to imagine like the experiences I've had or like the people that I've met or the things that I've gone through or whatever, either way, it wouldn't have looked like I planned, but I didn't really plan. So I didn't. <laughs> really know what I was looking for but somehow I knew it wasn't what I don't know does that make sense That's kind of yeah weird answer but I was like oh didn't have one so it's good I, I didn't know what it was gonna look like but not this that's for sure yeah, <laughs> yeah like I literally I didn't know but like I never would have dreamed this I think that's an important, I was just looking at the next question. I'm like, maybe this is not a good question to ask then of like, when did no, that I start to change? No, but I think that's an important thing to touch on because yeah, it's something that we don't often talk about. Mm -hmm. Like when you were in high school, I remember feeling so much pressure to have my life figured out. And then I thought once I, okay, regardless, like once I graduate high school, then I'm going to find something and it's going to be fine. And I mean, like God definitely worked in amazing ways and it wasn't anything by of anything that I did that brought me to where I am now but mm -hmm. I think that's an important thing that it's not just a a late teenager young adult thing to wrestle with it's a life thing to to really mull over and to wrestle with it with God because it is hard yeah. um so thanks for touching on that because it's important <laughs> it's totally like I I after high school yeah like I just I didn't know like I had friends who were like well I've like I'm just I'm gonna be a teacher this is what I'm gonna do and they would do all the things and they would become that and I'm like mm -hmm. how do you even know like there was like things where I'm like yeah like I could like probably do that like when you're when you're mediocre at like a lot of things but you're not like above and beyond in like your one thing it's like what am I supposed to do like I feel like I could do a lot of things like okay mm. Like, and I could be like excited about a lot of things or whatever, but it's hard to like, yeah. And after high school, I just, I took a year off <clears throat> and I, I'm still on my year off. So <laughs> just like, I ended up, it just, yeah, again, like, and I've never been more grateful that I didn't go to university and that's not mm. the thing for everybody. Um, but for me, it was like, man, I would have wasted a lot of time and a lot of money which I just spent traveling instead. So I was like, I went to the school of life and it probably cost me almost the same. So I think it's so good too, though, for people to hear that and for it to be like, you know, you're like, my life hasn't completely crashed and burned just because I didn't do that. Like, I remember when I was in high school, I used to wrestle with that so much because you know, I, I just remember feeling so much pressure because mm -hmm. teachers would be like, you need to do your homework because if you don't do well in your homework, then you won't do well on this test. And if you don't do well on this test, then you won't do well on this class. And if you don't do well on this class, then you won't get into university and you don't won't do well in university. And basically, if that happens, your life is screwed forever. And I remember like yeah. being like, that can't be real. Like <laughs> that cannot be reality that like the fate of my entire 
life from here on out depends on this math test. Like I was like, I just like, I, I just remember thinking how sad of a life if that is the only thing that matters in this moment. And it's hard though, because there's this path and we seem to think that there's only one path and like maybe two, cause you could go to college or university, but you know, like really like, you know, all the options, but it's so hard. And I think I, I always tell students who are like, I'm not quite sure what I want to do. And I'm like, that's like actually okay. And yeah. there might be people telling you that's not, but I think it's it, it's so valid that like life can be fulfilling regardless of which path you choose. So yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a hard yeah, And you have to have like a lot of just like of grace for yourself in that too. And of being like, like I had to kind of sit there and be like, okay, who decided that like you have to go to like university, like can't you go to university whenever you want? Like, why do I have to do it like right now? Like who, who said that like this certain age is too old to go to university? Like I'm still praying I never have to go because like I don't want to, but it's like, (laughs) we have this, like, it's this, this pressure of like this timeline and that it's like, you're running out of time to get Mm. done all the things you have to get done. And it's like, I'm pretty sure that like God is not in a hurry. And like, why am I in a hurry? Like, Mm. He had like so many things, like Jesus had so many things to do. And he was literally like, he had a lot, he was busy, but he was like, never hurried. He was never rushed. He was never like worried. I'm never going to get to like the next thing. And I'm just like, I think at some point I was just like, I probably after about, after the first year off and I was like, I still don't know what I'm going to do. And I was like, you know what? I'm not just going to go to school because everybody says I should. I'm still not going to know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be paying to not know what I'm going to do. Mm. So I was like, mm-hmm. ah. anyway, parents, I'm so sorry if your children are like listening to this and yeah, universities like, going back good. to school. <laughs> not what I'm saying. Okay. Should yeah. probably quit while well I'm ahead. Ainsley and I are both passionate about this. <laughs> so it's yeah. The thing. And like, yeah. there's, there are like, yeah, like, yes, my options for like where I can work are limited because I don't have like any post-secondary, like anything beyond grade 12. So like even in applying for different things, but it just really depends on what you want to do. And like now, like I love my job and I would have never, like I did not grow up being like, I want to be a painter. Like that, I didn't even know that that was a profession. I didn't know that that was a thing that you could be. And now I'm like, I love my job. Like Mm -hmm. I do not want another job ever Hmm. and I got it because like somebody quit and my dad was like can you paint I said I don't know (laughs) (laughs) he's like you want to try and I was like okay and I now I've been there for like five years and I love it so much and sometimes we don't get those opportunities unless we just start trying things we just had a conversation two with two people actually and kind of their advice or whatever um that they gave was to just say yes to things I mean, like, obviously there's certain things that you wouldn't say yes to, like yeah. common sense things, right? Um, but just say yes to things. Just try them. Yeah. So it's been hearing you see, hear, basically say the same thing. Just yeah. like, yeah, just go for it. Well, that was when I went to Africa the second time. I was like, okay, I was like, okay, God, like, what am I going to be doing when I'm there? And he was like, yeah, like, I'm not going to tell you that. Like, I was like, <laughs> people are asking. Like, I think that's part of the pressure. Like, people like the first thing they ask you is how are you and the second thing they ask you is what do you do yeah <laughs> like what do you, like 
or like when you're going on on a trip or something or what are you going to be doing there what's going to be and I was just like I don't know and what it did was like it meant that like I was basically he was like you take your story and you just like show up and like see what see what there is and it was kind of put me in a position where it was like I can't like say no to anything like if they ask me to help with something I can't be like yeah that's like not really my thing so I'm like, I came all the way over here with like, and it was just like kind of going in with open arms and just saying, yeah, saying yes. Right. Just, mm. I, and I learned so many things about myself and learned that I loved things that I didn't know that I loved because I had never tried them or had always just thought I couldn't do it or was scared to try because I didn't want to look stupid or, mm-hmm. you know, it just, yeah, going into it with like that kind of the open arms thing of like, I'm going to try something and it's not the end of the world if it doesn't work. Like it also doesn't, you don't have to do the same thing for your whole entire life. You just don't. Mm-hmm. But we think that we have to get it right the first time. And if we mm-hmm. don't, it's like this big failing thing and it's really not. Otherwise I'm screwed. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Me too. Then, like, I don't know. Then I- mm. <laughs> So I think the question you asked was um, that you were going to ask was when when that like the picture that I didn't have <laughs> started to change, and um, my answer to that was kind of I've I sort of have like seen learned to see my life as more of like a big picture. So I didn't have a picture I was looking at, but I understand it as like this big picture that has like a million little individual pieces, and we really only get to see one piece at a time. Um, And so I wouldn't say that my picture changed, but I would say that like I was dealt some pieces that I did not think fit into my picture. I was like, there's no way that these have a space, like this can't be for me. Um, And like, so I had mentioned before that like I grew up in a Christian home, but like a Christian home is not a perfect home and a house of faith is not um, a house without hardship for sure. And so um, like my parents had to walk through a lot of really hard things kind of on their own things with like marriage and church and family and health issues. And this is like a, this is kind of like a funny example of it. This is not a serious example, but like when I was growing up, I I was, me and my siblings were like allergic to everything. Like literally couldn't eat anything. Like I tell people I ate rice crackers before they were cool. Like now all of this stuff is like trendy. And I was like, we got so made fun of for eating that. And so this is one of those things that was like, I was a thing on top of all the other things that my parents had to deal with, but this was like a new thing. Having food sensitivities was not um, cool or trendy or anything that people really knew about. And um, nobody really understood. And they got a lot of like flack for, um, for trying to do things to help us. Um, and like, thank goodness I'm no longer allergic to dairy because lattes. Um, but basically, um, it was, I think through a lot, like, um, watching my parents kind of try to work through some of those things and, and in the culture that we were in, it was like, they kind of just shut up, put their head, heads down and did what they needed to do. And I think without letting anybody in, and I think in this, um, by osmosis, I kind of learned to wear a mask and if other people had it hard, they certainly didn't show it. And so like, you better not either. And there's just so much shame around letting people know how broken you are. And you kind of like, nobody's intentionally teaching anybody that, you know, it's like people are just trying to cope. And this is what we do to try and get by. Um, 
And so like the problem was never that my family wasn't perfect. The problem's never that our families aren't perfect. The problem is that we think that they're supposed to be. And so we just like kind of learn the art of like hiding sort of. Um, and so when I was handed pieces in my life, like sexual abuse or um, which led to a lot of like shame and um, self-esteem things and like the list could go on. Um, asking for help is not something that would have naturally been an option. It just was like, no, you put your head down and you do what you need to do and you don't let anybody see. Um, but I think we all know when we carry things like that for a long time, um, it's not good. And eventually that like has to come out and has to be dealt with. And on the heels of that, all of that, um, I had been in a three-year relationship. We were going to get engaged and he just like left one day <laughs> without warning. And I like, again, it's like on its own, maybe like wouldn't, I mean, probably still would have been a big deal, but it was like, I think compounded on top of all of these things of life. And I just like shattered. And that is when I would say that, like, if there was a moment that the picture changed, even though I don't know what the picture was, mm -hmm. that was it. It was like, everything I was like the rug kind of got pulled up front of me I was like this piece cannot be for my puzzle like this just makes no sense to me like this is the first time in my life when I could have maybe told you where I'd be in five years the only time probably like before and since not a clue um but like that was the one thing I was like okay like I kind of know probably what's gonna happen here and then it was like maybe not um so that was kind of that was yeah just starting over and um yeah, just starting to learn that like, God's always like writing this bigger story over top of, and yeah, I'm really only seeing one piece and I really didn't want that to be a piece that I had, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I found myself with it. And that's where I kind of move into so the things that, that have taught me the most about God. And that would be the first one. Um, I mean, there were so many things to choose from, um, but with that relationship, so kind of coming out of that it was this idea that um like god doesn't always remove the hard thing mm. for us um he he often wants to do the hard thing with us and i remember um like really soon after it happened i was like kind of i'm sort of like a visual person so i'll kind of like see or like visualize scenarios in my mind it's not weird I promise um but like it kind of like I remember like saying to God just being like it feels like I had like this like you know the house with the white picket fence and the whole like I knew what everything was going to look like and it was like safe and I knew what was happening and then this like giant mountain just like dropped in the middle and shattered my entire house and white picket fence into like a million pieces. And I was like, so how about you just move the mountain? <laughs> like, mm. I have an idea. How about since you can just like say to the mountain move and it will move, then why don't you just pick it up? And like, I will never forget, like in that moment hearing God say like, I could move it. I can do like anything I want, <laughs> I'm God, but I would like to teach you how to climb. And I was like, oh crap. <laughs> um, and I think in some of those moments when we just so badly just want whatever it is that we're in the middle of to be over. And he's like, we think he's like off in the distance somewhere. And if he would just come and like take the thing away, but he's like, I'm like right beside you and I'm gonna like hold your hand and climb this 
with you because you're going to be stronger and you're going to be better at the other side. And if I move it, then what? Right. So anyway, so that was probably one of the, the biggest things. And I think he's, he's so graciously unwilling to let us settle for less than what he has for us. And I mean, that's like a really hard thing to, to grasp when like, when something that you like hold really close is like taken away, it's hard to imagine that there would be something better, but like he never ever takes anything away without promising something better in, in return. Like I've never once, never once seen it happen where I got less <laughs> like different, but not less mm. um, than what I, than what I had um, given up. And um, I didn't think about it at the time because I mean, when you're in the middle of something like that, you don't think you can't, it was not a good, not a good time for a long time. Um, but I remember looking back and realizing that um, the day that like that um, he ended everything was exactly a month after we had had this like seminar on like, uh, this guy was talking about giving God maximum glory and how like, what are the things in your life that like either you have or you don't, I whatever that, you could give up that he would like anyway so it's you know you go home like from these things and you just like you pray the kind of prayers that you like hope you don't mean slash that you hope don't come true and <laughs> I remember like going home being like hey like so like if you can get like more glory out of like us apart like then like that's okay but like also like please don't do that like <laughs> like I don't think I would like make it and exactly a month later and um, he was gone and he was just like he's like I've been like wrestling with this for a month now and I don't know why but this is what I have to do and I was like man like you got to be careful what you pray for <laughs> but it was just like yeah like God is just he's he's not he's not sadistic like he's not getting joy out of our pain but I do think that um we often live a lesser story because we're unwilling to let go of things or people that we love for what he has that's better um and like he's not he's not like he's not glorified because I was in pain like he was in pain because I was in pain like I believe with all my heart he hated to see me feel like that um but he's glorified more when I'm living fully and I can't live fully unless I'm completely surrendered so if there's something that's not surrendered that has to go that it's like yeah anyway it was that that was a huge thing for me and um there's been a lot of times in my life where it's and this was one of them where it felt like like god was asking for too much from me <laughs> i don't know if you guys ever feel like he's asking for a lot um but then i remember um the story of Abraham and how when he finally got the promise <laughs> and he was asked to sacrifice it <laughs> and I was like mm. okay like God's not asking for too much of me he's just asking for all of me like it's not too much it's just all not not like bits and pieces not these like fragmented parts and um I found this I don't know if you guys have ever read the ragamuffin gospel I love reading also I should have put that in my little <clears throat> bio but <laughs> kind of a nerd it's fine um but Brennan Manning wrote this really awesome book called the ragamuffin gospel and I'm gonna read this one quote in it because I'm like this is exactly it um it says at the heart of the gospel of grace the sky darkens the wind howls a young man walks up 
another Mariah in obedience to a God who demands everything and stops at nothing. And I, yeah, I think for me, that was it. Like, it was like, okay, like God's got to have something bigger here because like, he's obviously at work and like, I've had to, you know, give this up and, but I, I got to like start rebuilding a foundation. Like, you know, you learn a lot of things about how you don't, you think you have a foundation and you don't. <laughs> um, and so I kind of got to like start all over from the ground up and be like, okay, like we've got to like figure this out. Cause like this cannot happen again. <laughs> um, so that kind of took me into, it was not long after that happened that I was asked to go on the trip to Botswana for the first time with, yeah, with Kevin and the team. And I was like, I don't want to go. These are all high school students and I'm way older than them. And why would I go? Um, but anyway, clearly I went <laughs> anyways, and, uh, it was amazing. Um, and I think that's kind of where it started to that idea that like, he never takes anything away without promising something better in return really started to like show up. Cause I was like, man, like I would have never done this. Like, and so much of what's happened in my life, like since going to like, like going to Africa has literally like taken the course of my life and like shifted it in a completely different direction that like, I don't know if I would have ever gone to Africa if things had, if God had moved my mountain, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. I don't know what that would have looked like. And again, it's, he's bigger than that. And it would have been, he can use anything, but like, I was like, this is really cool that I get to do this. Um, and it was in that, um, in that time of, of being in Botswana that um, I actually was able to like heal from all of that, which was really cool. Um, where God like actually physically like reached out and touched my heart and I could like feel it. And I went from like, couldn't say a nice thing about um, this guy to save my life to like sending him an email and being like, I am so glad you left. <laughs> like, I, like in a nice way, but I like thanked him cause I was like, I wouldn't have done it. And God knew mm. that. And he was also just like, had this whole other like set of experiences for me that like I couldn't take because my hands were full were too full of other things. And anyway, which like, yeah. So that was, that was really cool. And just a really cool um, experience with God too, of like, it was, again, it was like kind of like a visual thing where normally it's like, I kind of like will visualize Jesus like sitting in the woods on a, on a log. It's very strange. It's not strange. It's actually nice. But like, I remember like I come up, like walking up to him and I was a little girl and I think I didn't realize what that all meant until like much after the fact, but I had this like box um, and in this box was like all of my like broken pieces, just this like disaster of a life that I was like, I don't know what is going on. And I like walked up holding it and Jesus was like, give me your box. And I was like, "Mm, like, no like I think I don't I don't know that I want to do that and I and like up until that point like I would just be like begging God like just like I just want to like forgive and like move on and be past it and then it was like in that moment he was like but like do you because like I think you've become really like comfortable in your pain and like that like this Mm. is kind of this has become like your story and without this then like who are you right and it was this I was like oh yikes so anyway hand him the box and he like takes it and it's just gone um 
just gone and then yeah places his hand on my heart and that was and I was just like wow this is like really cool I'd never um really experienced God in that like very personal tangible way before um and that was just really cool I think he just desperately wants us to come to him with everything um regardless of the mess regardless of like he doesn't want us to try to clean it up (laughs) before we come um he just like so desperately wants us to come and I can't like you can't we can't hold on to things from the past and like still expect him to have somewhere to put new things um that are coming into our lives I think I have a tendency to like want to hang on to things and so yeah ended up kind of spending quite a few years off and on in Africa and that's like a whole nother I'm like, I don't even know where to get into all of that. I learned so many things through that, that like, I don't wouldn't even know where to begin. Um, but the, the last thing that I, um, kind of wanted to share about what, what I've learned is after that kind of coming home, um, and like transitioning back into life here. And I was like, started working full time. I was Um, working on publishing my book which I think we'll get into a little bit later and we had just had like the book launch um, for my book and I uh, the day after I went we had it like this barn and I went to get rid of I had gotten all these couches and I was going to get a um, like one of those junk removal services to like take them away and I'm like standing in there and they come and like they charged me like an exorbitant amount of money like it was, and I was so like overwhelmed and like done that I just like signed it, like paid it. And then I'm like standing in this barn after being like, what have I just done? And and then the owner of the barn came up after and was like, hey, what did you do with those couches? Cause I totally would have kept them. And I was like, and like, I lost it. I, I was like driving the cube van around with all this stuff. And I literally like, I got in the cube van and I like cried for the rest of the day. And I was just like, what is wrong with me? Like, and basically I completely burnt out. I like, couldn't even like, I was like, I just, I couldn't even like to, to pick up my phone to like text somebody or call somebody. It was just like, it's too much work. Like I just couldn't, like I would go to work and I would come home and that's about all the capacity there was. I was completely done. Um, I guess I had been running on empty for so long that I didn't really know what it felt like to be full. I didn't know that I was burning out. Um, I didn't really even have much of a concept for what that was. So that was like moving into a whole another um, season of learning um, kind of that, that God is like more present and personal in those places than like I ever thought that he would be. Um, And that he's really not about my performance, like, (laughs) and I get really stuck in this, like, performing thing of, like, because I want to be productive, I want to, like, get things done, it's partially my personality, and it's, you know, um, it's not always bad, but it's, it got me this, like, (laughs) addiction to being busy got me to this place where I just couldn't go anymore, like, I didn't want to go to church I was like I don't have any energy for this like I can't open my bible I can't like there's just no no capacity and and how do you start to 
to heal in that. And so that has been like the last um, several years kind of coming out of that and, and working through what that looks like. And um, yeah, I, in the middle of that, so I was trying to like figure out how to like articulate how that kind of process of being like at that lowest point was for me. And then I remembered that I'd written kind of like this series of blogs about what it was like to be in the wilderness. And I went back and I was like reading it and I started crying and I was like, okay, you're crying over your own words. This is a very strange thing, which is usually how I know they weren't really mine. Um, <laughs> but I want to like, just read this one part of it because, um, and I, I called it, it was called spooning with Jesus. So it's a good time. Um, <laughs> so if you need like another visual, so I was like back in this like same, you know, forest area where usually Jesus is sitting on the log, but I was like, I was an adult, but I was laying in like the dirt, like in the fetal position, just like done, like a visual representation of like how I felt just done. And I was like, oh my gosh, like where, where is he? Like, like Jesus is not here. Like he's not where I expect him to be. Um, and it was just this like, oh my gosh, like, is he not here in the world? Like, do I have to wait to get out of the wilderness? Like till I figure this out? for for him to come here and he just he was there he just wasn't where I expected him to be um uh, this is kind of how I how I wrote it out in there um I came to him for rest thinking that he would make me stand that he would rush to clean off the dirt and the mud perhaps he would even command with a powerful voice of course that the dirt of the desert be gone and the wounds of the wilderness be healed in an instant but that is not what he did Instead of giving me the strength to stand, he laid down next to me. Instead of cleaning off the dirt and the mud, he got right down in it with me. And instead of commanding, as he certainly could have, he cradled. Um, and that was where I was like, I looked behind me and he was spooning me from behind. <laughs> Which is like, you know, I was like, that's a weird, weird visual. But in that like moment, it was like, no, he just, he wasn't in a hurry to like quickly get me out of this uncomfortable spot. He was just like, nope, like this is just gonna take time and I'm just gonna be right here in it with you. And so that kind of started that journey of confronting the busyness in my life and learning what does rest look like? And um, yeah, what, um, what does it mean to, to live like, from a live from a place of rest not like to work so hard that you like need a break like but to live from this like I don't know I don't know how to describe it but like this inner rest where like you're actually energized because you've like rested first and so that's been I mean like I could go on about that because that has been like the last couple of years it's been really really fun um and challenging but like so so good to like learn and experience some of that um, of figuring out what it looks like to rest. And it's really like makes life so much more enjoyable. Oh, I feel again, like you touched on this next question because oftentimes the things that we learn about God 
um, are often through difficult and challenging times. And I just want to say, I love hearing the way that God speaks to you because he speaks to us and we connect with him in different ways. I think that's something that I wish I would have known when I was younger, um, that it doesn't have to fit a certain way. Um, so thank you for sharing those things that what you wrote about the wilderness was beautiful. Um, but the, this has been a common theme throughout our conversations that it's often through the difficulty and suffering where God brings about life. And that is very biblical. And it is really the story of like, you think about the resurrection, right? Yeah. Doesn't make sense. That yeah. like, yeah, his kingdom is coming, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For you, as you think about your life and as you look back, what have been the most challenging lessons to learn? Yeah, so all of them. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Short answer. So. <laughs> right? No. Um, I think so there were, and I think these are three words that you were intrigued by as well when you read through my story, but they have been like ever since kind of when that relationship broke down and everything fell apart, um, God kind of whispered these three words to me and they have been sort of, they just fit in every area of my life and I've never fully learned them yet because they're hard, but they're also really good. And that's just trust, rest and wait. And like, it doesn't matter like where I find myself in. I constantly find myself coming back to the, the root issue of the thing I'm learning is always one of those things. It's either a trust issue or a like, I'm not resting in this issue or I don't want to wait and I'm in a hurry. Um, and so with, with trusting, I think it's, for me, it's a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of my trust issues have to do with timing for sure. When it comes to God, I'm like, okay, <laughs> here's like when I think this should be a thing. And when he thinks it should be a thing is usually very different. Um, so that's, that's been a, a really, as, and as like a type A, like I want to get things done. And when I have ideas, like, I'm just like, well, let's make it happen. And, um, and that's like, these like all go together. The thing is you can't like, you kind of have to learn all of them at the same time because they all affect each other. Like if you don't trust, you can't rest. If you can't like trust and rest, you can't wait. And if you can't wait, then you obviously don't trust. Like it's this whole, like mm-hmm. they all go together. Um, and it's, so it's, it's, yeah, trusting in, in timing and when it, um, I don't like when it, when it makes me look or feel like I'm like failing. Cause sometimes the timing of things end up being like, Hey, this really looks like it bombed. Um, <laughs> but it's really just like a timing thing or I like rushed ahead or pushed down a door that wasn't open or <laughs> whatever happened. Um, And then with, yeah, rest, that's again, the whole thing of like just slowing down and abiding and just being, and this is so hard for a task oriented person, um, to be like, what does it look like? What does it mean that like, Jesus just wants to sit with me. And like, even if I don't do one productive thing today, like if I sit with Jesus, like that's enough, like, but like, is it when I'm type A, like, is it enough? Or like, Jesus plus like three things off my list because let's be honest, this is drive me crazy. Like it's, this is, yeah. Um, it's this idea of uh, not being hurried. And this is what God has been <laughs> like teaching me is that it's not necessarily like if you, a hurried soul is not necessarily a sign of a disordered schedule. It's a sign of a disordered heart. 
So it's not just like, I'm too busy. Like sometimes it is, but it's like, there's something, some kind of unrest, like in like down to my very soul. Like if I am like, I mean, which I obviously never am, but like angry at somebody in traffic or, um, you know, like things that like really rude people do, not me. Um, it's like, this is not a like, there is nowhere you need to be that badly that you need to like treat people like that in your mind. <laughs> mm. <laughs> right. Or like, this is like a direct result of like you not being at rest within yourself and you're like in a hurry and like, is it their fault you're in a hurry? Like probably not. Mm. It might be their fault that like, it's probably not even their fault that you're late because you probably left late to begin with. So like, it's just like, <laughs> but, like, I don't think about those things. And when I'm in a hurry, I really just become the worst version of myself mm. because I'm like impatient, like with everyone, or I'm short, or like, I don't have time to listen to somebody. And um, yeah, so those kind of like, they're like taking a Sabbath, like all of these things that like, I've been starting to learn and like implement slowly into my life. And it's been like really hard because it goes against a lot of things that I are a part of my personality that are not bad, but like, it's learning to to like work with those things and, and balance and make sure that you're getting some of that rest and then waiting. I mean, that's just hard for everyone. I think <laughs> I don't even know that yeah. I have to explain why learning to wait is hard, but, um, again, I read in like this really great book called the ruthless elimination of hurry. Yes. yes! I was going to ask you. I'm like, I was oh literally God. just going to say, you. are you a John Mark Comer fan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I and then I also read the Jefferson Bethke book at the same time, <gasps> The Hell with yes. the Hustle. And Kay, what he says in in the Ruthless Elimination Hurry, where he's talking about cultivating patience by intentionally placing yourself in situations where you do not get what you want. So yeah, so that's been like a fun thing to learn and kind of like also like things, especially on, from the business side of things, watching opportunities walk by because the cost of your soul would be too high. That mm. is hard. That is like being like, mm. I have to like let that go by because I don't have the capacity for it or it's not the right time. But everything in you is like, this is such a good opportunity. Are you an idiot? Mm. <laughs> like, so that's been, but again, it's it's just all of those things like trusting, resting, waiting. It's, it's the same thing in every season of my life. It's just different depending on what is happening. And it's always hard for me to learn those things, but it's so life-giving. And that's what I have to remember <laughs> when I'm trying mm -hmm. to learn these things is like the end result or just like, yeah, that it's, it's just better when I <laughs> keep learning those things. But those, I think, yeah, there you go. now everyone on this podcast is going to run out and buy John Mark Comer's book, which they, they should. should. They should. We endorse it. We endorse yeah. it. hundred percent. Yeah. I remember, um, hearing it was before the book came out but it was actually I don't think it was with him but it's it's it was the quote from the guy who told him like you need to John Orberg Harry. and um I uh I remember hearing it and being so struck by that because I realized that when I put too much in my life I forget the important things which is people mm. and so I used to actually write at the top of my planner every week ruthlessly eliminate hurry yes! I wrote it at the top of my planner because when I get busy which I do like when you talk about 
saying yes to too many things like I am a yes girl like I love like when someone gives me an awesome opportunity like I just want to do it if it sounds so great and like I but when I do that I I miss out on making time for people Mm. and and that is such a harmful thing and yeah I just remember like every single week I'd write at the top of my my planner to be like when you plan this week this is what you need to do uh and i i notice it i find traffic is the biggest like, right i live in listowel i live yeah. in listowel so it's not like i run into tons of traffic but it's like when it takes you an extra one minute to get somewhere <laughs> and you're about to have an aneurysm this is a you problem like <laughs> that is so oh my gosh yes it's totally a thing i like uh I I started I have like this morning routine now which I now love like I get up really early and anyway do my things like before I go to work and but I didn't used to do that and there was one day um I don't do well like with people talking to me right away in the morning I need like two hours so it's not even like I need 10 minutes I need like two hours before I see people and I didn't give myself that at all because I start work early and I went to the shop one day and one of my coworkers was like um Twyla, would you like to go home and try again? <laughs> You're like, can I actually just and leave and not come like, back? This is the day. I was like, okay, new plan. Like, <laughs> you needed something else here um, in place. So that's what started my morning routine. So I actually have, um, I did a sign making class with like my nieces and my one sister-in-law. And I was like, what do I put on the sign? And I was like, oh, duh. And it was just like, um, I cannot live in the kingdom of God with a hurried soul. That's a John Ortberg quote. So I've got that like on a sign sitting nice. on my kitchen table. So I was like, mm. I feel when I was reading that book, I literally kind of like you Ainsley putting it in the front of your planner. That's really smart. I was like, I feel like I need to write down every sentence in this book and just put them at different <laughs> spots in my life where I continually see them and I'm reminded mm. to like slow down. That's been like so life-changing. Well, that was part one of our conversation with Twyla Herb. You'll have to tune in next Monday for the rest of the conversation where we dive into the story behind Wild Ginger Coffee and so much more. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We have more amazing conversations like this coming up that you won't want to miss. So make sure you've subscribed on whichever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Just Work Friends. Hi, go buy some coffee from Twyla. Woo, bye-bye. It's actually really good. Go do it. (laughs) (laughs) Doodaloo! Okay, bye. (laughs) I don't know why I get so giggly.